Welcome to the Mum Mind podcast, or how to stop your mother falling out of your mouth. I'm Steph McSherry, I'm a mum of two, and I created a programme called Kinderama, which is a multi-activity programme for younger kids, and I've been working with that age group for 20 years. Hello, I'm Bethan O'Riordan, I'm a mum of three, and I'm a psychotherapist specialising in parenting support, and I run the Camp Parenting Club. Each week, Steph and I are going to answer one of your parenting questions and come up with some practical solutions to help with your parenting problems. If you'd like us to answer one of your questions, email us themummind at gmail.com. And just a tiny favour to ask before we get started, if you could follow or subscribe this podcast wherever you're listening, it helps us create more amazing, useful content for you. And most importantly, it keeps it free. We have a lovely topic today, which I think most parents at some time have experienced some difficulty with. <laughs> sleep. Yeah. Sleep, sleep, sleep. The holy so- grail. Yeah, I mean, I still think that for me, sleep was the most debilitating part of becoming a parent. I mean, hands down, it was just, it was awful. It was so awful. It's a tiredness you can't ever replicate. Like, it's ridiculous, the level of tiredness that you go through. Yeah, and now, and it's funny now, like last week I took two of my kids away to Scotland, which meant we got up at half five. And, you know, my life used to start at five mm. for years and getting up at half five was like, oh, this is awful. And I don't think I recovered until Tuesday. <laughs> we got up on the Friday before. Yeah. So I, I think, you know, the relentlessness of the sleep. And I remember going to work sometimes. I'd be in work for nine o'clock and I'd be thinking, I've been up for five hours. <laughs> I know. If it was daylight outside, that, that was a bonus you know, which was in the summer was about five, half five, you know, it's like, oh, it's daylight. So it's okay. It is daytime. (laughs) You know, otherwise, if it was dark, it's just torture. It just feels like you're going against everything in your body. And, you know, that feeling in your head where it's just like a fog all the time. Yeah, yeah. And I think at those times, I used to get really envious of people who had family around. Yes. So even people that would say, oh, but I don't really have family in Cork. I have to drive to Dublin or Wexford or wherever. I'd say, well, I think, oh, but you can still do it. Yeah. You could still get in a car and drive for two and a half hours and get help. Yeah. I think that's the thing, you know, when I was on my knees with exhaustion because I don't have family locally who can help. I, I would have loved to have someone gone to someone's and like they cook me dinner and cook the kids yeah. dinner and just yeah. fed the kids dinner you know yeah. it's probably the nicest gift you can give a new mum is to say I have the baby you go back to bed <laughs> yeah don't bother with all this other stuff <laughs> yeah no nothing nothing else matters does it <laughs> nothing else matters and then it's funny because then I remember going into a period of like extreme sleep deprivation is that the word I don't know when my third child was born and he cried a lot he cried like 16 or 18 hours a day and it turned out he was quite unwell so that was a whole different level then that was like um do you you ever watch the program SAS who dares wins yes and and in the last week they put them in stress positions and one of the stress things is that they put headphones on the person with a baby crying oh there you go and I think like oh I get that yeah yeah I get that but that's how intense this is yeah, you know, and and I think as well from a therapeutic perspective, the sleep can actually the lack of sleep can actually drive you a bit crazy. You know? Okay, so 
you know, a lot of the time we can't change that. It's not like we can miraculously make our babies sleep. They're not designed to sleep whole nights to start with anyway, because they need the food. They have the tiny tummies that need constantly topping up. So how can we protect ourselves when that's going on? I really like to ask, how did you protect yourself? But I don't know, but, <laughs> but I don't know if you want to say even because we never plan these out. Oh, I think, I think with baby number one, there were definitely chunks. I got chunks of sleep. That was important. I was feeding my, her myself, which was difficult because the trouble is when you're feeding yourself, you know, much as it is a beautiful experience, once you get past the mastitis and the infections and the nipple ache. <laughs> Yeah. Did I sell it well? <laughs> yeah. Oh, you did. Everyone, everyone who's never breastfed is going to sign right up now. That's it. They're in. Oh, sign me up. Yeah, that sounds good fun. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> and the fact that it's always you. You know, even if there's a nighttime feed needed, it's you. You can't pass your breast off to your husband, unfortunately. Um, she was always an early riser, like right through the toddler years. You know, like you were saying, five, half five. If we made it to six, that was a lie. <laughs> yeah. Um, how did I protect myself? Well, I went to bed early. I definitely yeah. went to bed early. The kind of big lunchtime nap, if I could, I would try and have a sleep, even if it was 15, 20 minutes just to get me through. A lot of coffee. <laughs> yeah. But I do think sometimes it's kind of just the awareness that that doesn't last forever. And that you kind of, you know, there's a period of time that you are going to have to function on that, particularly when yeah. number two or three come along, that sleep is going to be a luxury for a while. Yeah, yeah, it's funny. I remember I, I used to go for acupuncture to help support me. Oh, I nice. just felt I just felt like it really nurtured me. So like once a month, I'd go for acupuncture. And I remember my acupuncture saying, you know, this isn't forever. And I remember thinking, but it feels like forever. Of course it does when you're in the middle of it. Yeah. yeah. And baby number two, actually your acupuncture reminded me, I discovered yoga and that, you know, that <laughs> shavasana at the end. Oh, it was heaven. And I'd, I'd fall asleep every week. Louise probably tell you I snored, but, uh, <sighs> you know, it, it was just, it felt like a proper rest or reset so it is possible it is possible in very short periods of time to get that full deep relaxation and yeah. to be able to to move on yeah don't they say that yoga nidra yoga nidra yoga nidra mm -hmm. and maybe that is part of the shavasana but i don't know i don't really do yoga but they say that that is the equivalent of having however many hours sleep if you can do however many minutes of that oh there you go there yeah you go. i i i think you see so I'm always interested in, there has to be some sort of equation, right? Of like, this is how much energy I've got. So this is how much energy I can give. And there has to be a realistic input versus output, you know? So, and that includes mental load, logistical load, everything load. Mm. You know, I remember we got a cleaner who came once every two weeks to help us out. And the house did not get cleaned in those two weeks. You yeah. know, because that was reality. And I've got a high tolerance for dirt as well. Yeah. <laughs> I had to develop one. Yeah. And getting, you know, we started getting our groceries delivered online. We still do because God, it's a time saver. And it means, you know, somebody arrives at your door with food. <laughs> yeah, great. Here, here yeah. you are. Mm. And, and, and also I used to use a lady called Sharon from Little Cooking Monsters. 
and she comes to your house. She gives you a recipe before and she comes to your house and you get the ingredients and she batch cooks for your freezer. Oh, that's heaven. Yeah. And she used to cook loads and like fiddly stuff like fish cakes you know stuff that you have to have loads of pans for that I was like oh can't cope with this and she cleans up as well my kitchen always looked nicer when she left (laughs) (laughs) than before she arrived (laughs) yeah you're welcome anytime and she's really reasonably priced as well but I think also you know so I remember one I remember one time when I was really tired making a lasagna and all I could think in my head is why am I doing this why am I doing this it has so many bits to it why have I not just made a pot of potato in the mince or pasta in the mince and got my veg and you know so I think there has to be a realistic output for how much energy you feel that you have inside lower your expectations (laughs) and your own expectations yeah absolutely And then I feel it's maybe important to talk a little bit about, I mean, I get loads of people get in touch with me and it's something we talk about in the camp parenting club about getting kids to sleep, getting Mm. kids to stay in bed. And there's loads of different ways of looking at this. I mean, obviously everyone's situation is totally different, but children don't become anxious at bedtime. Children children's anxiety presents at bedtime because perhaps that's when life has slowed down enough for it to become there so that's when the mind starts racing that's when they start to develop all the questions that's when they seem clingy or needy or won't leave you go or so I won't talk about that too much but just if you feel that your child is more anxious at the evening times know that it's not just the evening times they're not just anxious about bed they're probably anxious through their whole day but it just comes out in this way. So that's the point that they see like an access point to their parents. Is that what you mean? That it's okay, now we're quiet enough and we're together enough that we can, I can release this. Yeah, perhaps. Or, okay. or, or it might just be that, you see, anxiety is a funny thing. It kind of seeps out from the cracks when it, in its own funny way. And anxiety is never about the thing. Mm. So people think, aha, this must be bedtime they're anxious about. But no, no. Anxiety kind of just latches on to a time of day or a thing, but it's never the thing. It's always about what's going on behind it. Coming out sideways, as I like to call it. So yeah. it's not not the thing in front of you. It's the thing that's happened over here. Yes. And this is the huge distraction. Parents then go down the road of like sleep training and focusing on the sleep. And, you know, I heard one parent, they got advised from somebody to put tape on their child's floor in their bedroom. Say, well, I can't come across this line to see you. And then moving the tape further back until they were outside the room. And that's a distraction. That is, it's not about the sleep. It's not about the tape on the floor. It's not about, there is something else going on in the relationship that has nothing to do with sleep. It's not about the placement of the bed or the light or the massage or the hot chocolate or the before bed or the, you know, it's a big distraction, but maybe that's one for another session. But I think also I said to, so I get lots of people maybe who might be in touch to inquire about coming to work with me, which is which is right, right? It's due diligence. And sometimes I just have to be really honest and say to people, well, you know, how was your sleep? Because I know for me personally, the minute my sleep starts to go, or I find it tricky to get sleep or I'm waking up early, it's because I'm stressed out. 
That is my first indicator. I know that something in my life has become too much and I need to make a change. So I say to parents, there's a great Irish expression. I know we've said it before, but well, your child didn't lick it off a stone. So how is your sleep hygiene? How do you wind down before bed? How do you sleep is all about how you prepare yourself really from the minute you wake up so that you are able to go back to sleep at the end of the day. And we need to do this with children. And if you cannot do that yourself, it'd be tricky to teach somebody else what you don't know. Yeah. And on a practical level, I do strongly believe in a bedtime routine for a child. I think mm. kids thrive off of routine. Yeah. And my kids who are now nine and 11 have had the same bedtime routine from when they were babies. Yeah. You know, making the house dark in the summertime. You know, I have those blackout blinds. You know, when we come upstairs in the evening, even if the sunshine is blaring outside, it is dark upstairs. It yeah. is quiet upstairs. They have a wash, they do their teeth. When they were smaller, when they were babies and toddlers, it was bath before bed, because I found that just got them tired and got them ready for bed. It's always stories, it's always reading, it's always books. You know, and there was never, it's not like I banned them from coming downstairs, but it, you know, there were, that, that was the routine. That was yeah. how they knew it was time for getting ready for sleep. And if I think about us, the adults in the household, it's the same really, you know, the house gets a lot quieter, it's dark, it's cozy, it's warm, we get into cozy clothes, you know, we might be reading, we might be cooking, we might be, but it's a quiet time. Yeah, yeah, I know for me that when I click, I bought myself a recliner a few years ago, I did dislocate my knee in airtastic a few weeks after it so it Ooh. was a really good buy so I could sit and rest in it and I had to have surgery to repair it so watch wow. out if you think you're able for trampolining and you're not <laughs> <laughs> is, oh, the is the caveat of today um but I know that when I sit in my recliner and I've got I mean my husband says do you need to buy another candle Oh, yeah, I do. I do. And when I light my candle and I've got my book or my sewing or my phone, I'm not like virtuous <laughs> um, beside me at nighttime or my magazines. It's like my whole body knows to unwind because mm. that's what I do. That is that is how we unwind. Kinderama is a multi-activity program for younger kids. It's full of music, imaginative play, adventures, ball skills, dance, drama, and all for the under sixes. We have an online program at kinderama.com. And if you use the discount code MUMMIND20, you can have 20% off an annual membership. And Steph, it might be... Um, nice if you explain a little bit from a kinderama perspective if it's okay mm. about how you support these little children to unwind and then I might say a little bit about how we get the older children to unwind sure so at the end of every class we do a relaxation just because you know I want the crash to have me back and if I hand them back when they're all wired and giddy and bouncing off the walls they're really not going to like me very much so we do a series of different relaxations. We use different things, but generally we lie on the floor. If I can, I turn the lights out or pull a blind or two to make it just a little bit darker. Um, and we do, I call them brain hacks. I don't know what else to call them, but those kind of tricks of your brain that releases those nice chemicals. So for example, if you do an audible sigh, instead of just breathing out, if you do a, <sighs> your brain, receives that message of 
oh, okay, we're relaxing now. And I teach mm. the kids this. They're three, four, and five. I say, we're tricking our brain into just having a little bit of chill out time. And it's a, <sighs> and I think as adults, we could use that too. You know, if you're stuck in traffic and you feel yourself getting overwhelmed, a big sigh is just a, a, a little message to your brain to, no, no, we're okay. We're okay. We're not going to go into that hyper mode. So we do three or four of those. Um, we often do a, a, a piece where we're self-hugging. I'm doing all this like you can see me, but you know, a big squeeze and a hug to yourself will release the same chemicals as when you receive a hug from somebody else. And I love teaching kids that because I think there's many times in a day they would love a hug, but don't know how to ask for one or don't want to ask for one from somebody else. And the fact that they can give that to themselves, even just now me sat here with my arms over my heart, what they call heart center in, in yoga, it feels lovely. You can feel your kind of inner body just relax a little bit you know so all those little things and we do a little bit of stretching sometimes i bring a singing bowl and we listen to different sounds it might be rain it might be what they call brown noise i don't know whether you've ever heard of brown noise so white noise is kind of what we talked about before with young kids and babies more or less like a static sound but brown noise is like a lower register and it almost sounds like a constant wave in the sea. And again, another brain hack type thing. It's something about that frequency that helps us to unwind. And look, mm. these are things that we just do two or three times. And it, you can carry it over into, into um, you know, your own family. And definitely the kids, they both have um, various speakers in their room now. And I'll set it to play. 20 minutes meditation music or 20 minutes relaxation music and it's just on in the background and it has a timer and it goes off after 20 minutes and that's just on as they're going to sleep the reading or the listening to a story just to distract your brain i think always helps too um yeah that kind of thing and i'm a big believer in nice smells too like a little bit of lavender in the diffuser of a night time um mm. is a lovely way to unwind for kids too yeah, I think that sounds lovely. And it just just so I'm clear, do you do that stuff on your online Kinderama stuff as well? Yeah, it's in a separate little thing. We call it ten minutes piece because okay. it's ten minutes piece for mum and it's ten minutes piece for them, and it and it's set relaxations and meditations. Because I I tell you why I'm asking because I got up this morning. I love waking up before anyone else. I love it. I come down. The dog just totally loves me. Mm. <laughs> and it, I just get to cuddle with her, and she's like a little ball of fluff. So I came down and I sat on the sofa and I had my lemon water, very, very virtuous day. <laughs> and um, and I thought, oh, I'd love to do a sound meditation now. And I know I have a go-to um, on YouTube. I'm looking to buy one, but that's a whole other thing. I'd love mm. like a little app. But here's the thing. I know that many parents are like, okay, well, where do I, I need to have this available to me. Yeah, You know, because I, I know when my kids were under six, I mean, it wasn't chaotic getting them to bed. But I, I mean, I do have memories of like one baby hanging off my boob and then like the two toddlers or one, one was three and one was like 20 months or something. And it was 
I mean, like it was really intense. Mm. So I think if we're preparing for bedtime, it's good to have a kind of like, okay, this is my go-to. Sorry, this is this is my go-to. I know that I have my 10 minutes wind down here. And it's not that the kids have to sit and listen to it per se or do all. Come no, on it now. Will it will seep in. It will seep in. Yes. It's that it's in the background. Like there's something on the radio on RTE um, Junior called the Cozy Corner. Oh, nice. And I remember this used to be on every day between 12 and 2. And it's repeated again, I think, between... I want to say four and six, but it's like Beatles songs done with Aww. like twi yeah, yeah. twinkly instruments or like Elton John done through pan pipes. And it's <laughs> oh. like, <laughs> and it's like just to have it on in the background. Yeah. And I was thinking as well, when I was saying that, you know, if, if you are not capable of, as in, you know, you get to that point in the day where you just can't give any more and you can't do the bedtime story. There's loads of lovely story podcasts, you know, something, an audio story, just just that key to unwind. And maybe, like you said, you might be sat feeding another one, but, it, you know, then they're listening to a story or those lovely Tony boxes. We had one of those Tony boxes where they put the little figures on and it tells a different story. You know, yeah. you might not have the energy for a bedtime story and I completely get that and that's okay. So, you know, invest in that or listen to a free podcast where it's just a different story every night. And it's just a, a message, you know, and more often than not, and particularly when I do the parent and toddler groups, you know, the mums will join in the relaxation at the end, you know, and I, I finish it off and the kids are like, okay, let's, let's move on. And the mums are like, no, no, keep going, keep going. Yeah. <laughs> And so you make a really important point is, is that parents set the emotional tone for the family. So always in therapy, what we're looking for is, yes, of course, a parent to totally love their child. That does that go without saying, but also to almost have like an an ambiguous. Is that the word? I, almost said I don't know what you're going to say. I, I amphibious. Said, <laughs> well, I, well, that's that's what was coming an amphibian response. <laughs> If you could all act like lizards and crocodiles, <laughs> please post your pics on the mom mind page oh, and Instagram. God. But it's almost like, so when the kids, you know, I'm imagining, you know, when I was feeding one of the kids trying to get them to where there was a bottle or my boob or whatever, and the other would be running around like, <laughs> you know, just running around the room. And yes, I had the music on and yes, I had all the nice things happening. But it's really important in that situation that parents, try and be neutral I mean and, and kind of like, okay you're doing that I'm doing this because we know that getting to bed it is like a high it's a high currency part of the day because your mm. day needs to end and I remember crying to my husband once when I got the say the toddler to bed and then I said to him I'm gonna be up in two hours with oh. the baby and then I'll be up in two hours after that. So it is really hard. You know, you mm. need the kids to get to bed so that the rest of your nights can begin, as it were. So it becomes a pressure point, doesn't it? Yes. Yeah, that is it. Thank you. So I, I think it's to kind of try and practice neutrality within yourself. So it's that you do the relaxation stuff. Mm. You know, something in the camp parenting club, there's always meditations there that people can just plug in. And the point of that is that it distracts your brain from going down the road of oh my god not again would you stop doing that would you run yeah. around here would you listen would you would you meditate to a two-year-old who's like yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, what? No. I'm gonna I'm gonna draw on the wall now actually yeah. and what it does is that prevents parents uh, becoming the parent they don't want to be yes you know and, and it stops these pressure point moments coming 
Yeah, because you don't want that last thing in the day where you're roaring, get into bed. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like you set the emotional tone. And, And this is really important then when children get older as well. I know a lot of people say to me, oh, I love that asking my kid how their day was when they were in bed. And I kind of, I mean, every family is different, but I encourage parents not to do that, to do that at another time of day. Because if your child is a big thinker or Mm -hmm. if your child is really sensitive, you've possibly just recreated feelings within them that are really, really tricky. Yeah, my son will often relive difficult parts of his day, just himself, Mm. as we're going to lights out. And I, I kind of say to him, we can talk about that tomorrow if you like, but now is our time to think of beaches and chocolate cake and whatever, you know, floats his boat. But I try and distract that thinking because otherwise I know he's going to go down a rabbit hole. And it's not that I don't address it. I say I can understand why you're worried about that or why you're thinking about that. But let's talk about that in the morning. Because you know what it's like when you're tired, you do overthink those things anyway. And nine times out of 10 by the morning, it's gone yeah absolutely and 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 so then the question for parents is is how do I um buh, 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 how do I create time at another time of the day to have that conversation mm. and, and the other thing that, that I hear a lot from the teenagers who I work with um they say that they can't sleep so they're just sitting in their room from 11 until 2 in the morning and everyone else is asleep isn't there a physical reason why the sleep brain changes for a teenager or have I just made that up? I don't know, maybe. This I know a... they need a lot more sleep, right? You know, the, the yeah. old adage of a, a teenager sleeping till noon, it's because their body needs it. But I thought I read somewhere, yeah, maybe not to discuss on the podcast, Steph, unless you actually have the facts. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe, maybe I'll, I'll do some research for next week. But it's at those times that children feel very lonely. It's at those times that they feel totally misunderstood that, as you said, the gremlins come in, Mm. the self-critical voices come in. So I'd really encourage parents to to know if your child goes to sleep, because this can be like a real groundbreaking thing for parents to say, hey, do you know your child goes to bed at two in the morning? What? They do what? And I say, yeah, they find it really hard to unwind after the day. And oh, my God, I didn't know. Uh, parents it's our responsibility to know and is it that is that a time that they would be scrolling and going down like I'm assuming all different you... things yeah okay all different things but generally I mean every family is different but a lot of it comes from the day being so full-on you know so you've got up at half seven you've got the bus to school at eight you've come home the day hasn't taken a break it, it's so funny the teenagers who I meet, I say, what would be if there was one thing that could change how your stress, what would it be? And I say, I'd love to go for a walk when I come home from school. I mean, wow. it's so simple, isn't it? They come mm-hmm. up. I love, I love so much meeting with the teenagers and the young adults because they come up with the most simple problems to what we think of parents is like the most complicated. Um, so they, they come up with the most beautiful solutions to yeah. what we think might be the most complex problems. So I would really encourage parents to know what your child does for sleep, know what they find hard and help them develop um sleep habits to unload their mind from the day which you see sleep happens at the end of the day 
in therapy, we talk about sleep happens at the end of the day if the body has had time to rest at times throughout the day. Mm. So like, you know, I talk a lot about we have an internal reservoir and it gets depleted and it gets nourished. And, and if you're going to bed when it's depleted, well, it means that you're running on empty and probably your stress hormones are running over and stress hormones won't make you sleep. Okay. So you have to keep, you know, Topping I'm not. Yeah, like when my mm. kids were little, I used to take a break every two hours, maybe every two and a half hours and just sit, you know, and I'd just be like, oh, my God, I really need the toilet. I didn't know I needed the toilet. Basic yeah, things. Yeah, yeah. Right. But I'd always have every day. I, I still do it now. I get up and make two pots of tea. One is caffeine tea and one is a herbal tea. So when I sit, it might be stone cold. Depends if I'd remember to put the tea cozy on. But I would sit and have a cup of tea. And I would have a game that the kids could play with me. It might be cards. It might be poking pasta through a sieve. It might be so many different things. But I would sit and all hell could break loose around me. But I needed to sit. I was nourishing and replenishing myself so that when 9, 10, 11 o'clock came, I wasn't wired to the moon and couldn't mm. sleep. Okay. I also think um, I learned with my little lady that was getting up at the crack of dawn I think as parents, we have this idea of what bedtime should be, as in what time it should be, and miss the cues that our kids give us. And I yeah. remember reading that by the time they're yawning and rubbing their eyes, you know, you've you've already gone into that first stage. So uh -huh. even if that's 6 p.m., get them to bed. You know, yeah. that, that that is their, what are those you know, that go through the night, you know what I mean? Circadian rhythm is yes. what to call it. Is that yes, it? Yes, that's it. So, you know, it's, ju it's just the window before that, where you see the eye rubbing and the yawning. That's when you want to be doing your bath time, relaxing, reading, so that by the time they get to that, they're going to sleep. And actually the earlier my little lady went to bed, the later she would sleep. Mm. So we, you know, what tends to happen if you have a little one that gets up early is you think, oh, we'll put them to bed later. It doesn't work that way because you're not working with that circadian rhythm. Mm. So always watch out for those cues that your little ones, you know, I've, I've seen parents do it and it's not, you know, that's not through judgment. It's just like, oh, geez, she looks really wrecked, but it's only half past six. Yeah. God, if I was wrecked at half past six and I could, I'd go to bed. Yeah, that's that's the dream, isn't it? One day, Steph, our 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 time will come. Yeah, yeah, and 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 I think you see anything that we can help children tune in to what their needs are on any level is just so vital, you know, and and that it's okay that they are them, mm. you know, I, um, it's okay that you need to sleep at that time. You know, I remember yes. someone saying to me once, your child sleeps for too long. Uh, what does that mean? You know, <laughs> they yeah. were they were too old for that much sleep. But if they still need a lunchtime nap at a certain age or if they still need whatever, you know, it's OK. That's what that child needs. Yeah. Oh, I, I love do a get... nap. <laughs> I do. Honestly, I love, you know, some people don't. I love on the sofa, under a blanket, just 20 minutes. Um... Yeah, I'm I'm queen of naps. I, oh, not, are I, you? Well, not as in I can do a nap really well. So yeah. years ago when I worked in theatre, obviously you work very late in the, in the night and sometimes if you have a matinee as well, you know, it's, it's a long old day. Um, yeah. And I'd often take a nap between shows. But my trick was to have a cup of coffee, go to sleep, 
set an alarm and then 20 minutes about the caffeine kick comes so you can have a little power nap and then boom the caffeine hits and you're up again wow there i mean <laughs> that's that's one for all of our moms and dads who work yeah. in the theaters <laughs> yeah that's on me <laughs> but even i do split shifts things like that things that mess or yeah. you know night shifts things that mess with your body if you do want a little power nap that's you know the coffee sleep bang back up again because mm. if you sleep for too long oh then you get that fog. slippery slope slippery yeah. slope isn't it the power okay. nap love it okay so our recap on sleep is to make sure that our cup is full when we know we're going to be sleep deprived. So when the babies are small and we know we're not going to get huge amounts of sleep. And I, I don't know about you, if I had my time again, I think I'd have had one massive bed for the lot of us. I spent a lot of time going in and out of different bedrooms and sleeping in poor patrol beds. And <laughs> do, do you know what I mean? I look. Well, I have I a very some... clever friend, Caroline, and she got double beds for all of her kids when yeah. they moved from a cot to a bed I did for my little boy eventually because he was a one that would wake up in the night so about 3am he'd get oh, up lovely. Yeah. so we'd end up going into the single bed with him which was a gruffalo bed at the time not very big <laughs> or the floor nine times out of ten you'd find me or my husband asleep on the floor and of course you feel rubbish if you slept on the floor so yeah. yeah when he went into a big bed it was a double bed and you know at least you got decent sleep yeah at least you got decent sleep so caroline yes that is very clever if you have the room <laughs> a double bed um so yeah tuning into your own sleep needs asking for help or sleep as and when you need it from partner, from parents, from really good neighbors. Yeah. <laughs> Could you please take the child while I sleep? Yeah. And then creating really good sleep routines for yourself and your little people mm -hmm. and giving yourself a break, be that listening to a story or a meditation or yep. just chilling and, out. Yeah. And I think I'll add to that, remembering that you've set the emotional tone for the family, not your child. So if your child can't sleep because they're anxious or overwhelmed, that is for you to help them fix, not for them to fix. It's a family, a family solution that comes from you. Yeah. And no tape on the floor. No. Or anywhere else. No. God. <laughs> Thank you. Okay. See you next week. If you'd like the answers to help your child with their emotions or behaviours, or if you're ready to become the parent and person you'd like to be, then start your free seven-day trial in the Cow Parenting Club by going to my website, bethanoreardon.com.